Heavenly Father, we do step into the truth of your word. Lord, we want to immerse our hearts and minds in your story. And so, Lord, would you help us to understand the truth that we find here? Would your spirit make it make sense to us in the depths of who we are? Lord, that we would leave here having been with you and heard from you and changed to become more and more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would grab a seat. So typically, we would have uh, a sermon here, um, and we're going to have a, a sermon of sorts <laughs> uh, in this spot. Um, but really, I wanted to take advantage of this moment, just as we're doing this, as we're kind of walking through the service together and thinking through why is it that we do what we do. Um, I wanted to take this moment to really think through uh, the climax of our service. So as we, we gather, we hear, that we then come to the table where we eat. We come to the Lord's table where we eat this meal together before we are sent back out into the world. And so I want to talk about uh, that movement of eating together uh, as uh, the family of God with God. Um, and to do that, I wanted to, to start um, with a question. I want you to imagine a friend of yours who knows nothing about apostles um, asking you to send you a picture of your church or of your community. Because uh, I'm curious, what picture would you send them? Or if you were going to post a picture that's like, man, this is apostles on Instagram, what picture would you post? What would you take a picture of that would kind of encapsulate that for you? So there's no wrong answer here, so this, just throw out some ideas. What would you take a picture of? Bunch of kids. Bunch of kids. Yeah, we love kids. We got lots of kids here. Makes you think of apostles. What else? The love, yeah, we had a big picnic. Yeah, love feast. If you're not familiar with that language, it's, it's from the early church. We didn't do anything weird or, you know. <laughs> so I know that came up. Like, why did we come this Sunday is what you're asking. No. So, um, so yeah, so we love to gather and be together and share uh, a meal. What else? Yeah, I love the picture of Owen eating the popsicle. Just a picture of joy and life together and family. You might, you might take a picture of the building, right? You're like, oh, this is, what, what's a possible? Oh, here's where we meet. You might take a picture of that. Uh, you might take a picture of, uh, of us gathered uh, worship in this room. Maybe you could stand in the back and just capture that one of those moments where we're just praising God uh, together. There might be a picture of, uh, of you gathering during the week with your life group. might be those kinds of images that come, come to mind, shared life, shared worship. Um, what's interesting is um, in the early church, we have, um, the, you know, obviously no Instagram, but there was a picture that was captured in the early church, and this is it, of the church. Um, so I just want to look at this. What this is called is it's called the Fractio Panis Fresco. And so this was painted on the wall of a catacomb in ancient Rome. And I just want us to look at this picture uh, real quick. And I want you, and kids, you guys can help with this. You can describe, describe what you see in this picture. I know it's a little bit faded and it's hard to see. But what do you see? Just call out some stuff. What do you see? People. People, yep. So there's people there. There's about seven people. What are they doing? 
Yeah, they're, how do you know they're eating? They're sitting at a table. Yeah, can you guys make that out? There's a table kind of in front of them. What's on the table? Can you see? Yeah, there's food. So I, I have it on good authority from scholars that that's fish and bread. <laughs> I don't know how you could tell, but they could tell fish and bread. There's also um, some kind of like flask off to the left, you know, so you got wine in the picture. Um, so yeah, so, what's, so this is what's there. This is the earliest known picture. This is from the second, early second century. So within 100 years, probably, of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Right, this image. This, if you would ask a first century follower Jesus, snap a picture of what you think of when you think of the church, it would have been this. People gathered together around a table sharing a meal. Right? Sharing this meal we just heard described in 1 Corinthians. A meal like the one that Jesus shared with his followers uh, the night before he was uh, uh, murdered on the cross. So what we get is we get this picture of the church. And I think it really taps into something incredibly significant for us as followers of Jesus. And what it does is it points to the fact that there's something really powerful, I think, about this idea of meal. We've been talking about gathering for a meal. Uh, There's something really powerful here that connects deep within us, that's created in us. A desire for more than just food or sustenance or survival, a desire for communion, life, and life together. And so we get a picture of that here. And so for that reason, eating is actually, it's a spiritual act. Maybe you've never thought about it that way, but eating is a spiritual act. It's a powerful spiritual part of our lives. Now just think about the power that food has in our own lives and in our culture, right? For good and for bad. I mean, you think about food in our culture. I mean, we, we are a foodie town. Houston has amazing food. There's amazing restaurants. We've slowly discovered that as we've lived here for a couple of years. Um, it's amazing. And there's so, so many beautiful and good things related to food. But we also know there are things not so beautiful related to food. You know, the reality is that food is often misused. It's abused. Drink and food both Our abuse can lead to addictions and disorders of all kinds. We know that food actually, uh, the abuse of food can lead to all kinds of health problems and environmental problems. Um, It can lead to, you know, know, devastating consequences, kind of collateral damage to relationships, can lead to guilt and shame, even violence and injustice in our world, all rooted in our relationship with food. And so it's fascinating if you go all the way back to Genesis 3, think about What happens in the fall, right? The temptation is not explicitly what you would think. Power, sex, money. What is it? What's the temptation around? Food. Isn't that fascinating? Have you ever thought about that? It really is about food. And I think, again, it points to this fact that food is this symbolic, uh, really significant symbolic um, part of of our world, and it points to our relationship with the physical world, with one another, and with the Lord. And it's affected by our sin, our fallenness, our brokenness. And and so it, it can be really broken, and yet food is at the heart of what is true and good and beautiful in the world. And I think um, this image 
connects with us at a primal level, at a visceral level. I think that's why it's so essential in the early church and why it's all over Acts and it's all over um, the New God, just all over the New Testament. It's everywhere. You see meals, people gathered for these meals together. So what I want to do is I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, about how food and meals actually connect with our relationship with God, with each other, and then with the physical world. Um, and so to do that, I want to look just really briefly at Luke chapter 22, the verses I just read, where Jesus has gathered with his followers uh, for what's called the Last Supper. And I really want to focus on one key phrase that is probably familiar to most of us, even if we didn't grow up in a church setting or have any kind of background in Christianity. It's these words. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And the question is, what is this? What is the this he's referring to? And what I want to say is it's not just the bread and not just the cup. It's actually much broader. What Jesus is pointing to uh, actually is everything that surrounds what happens in Luke chapter 22. It's everything that's involved in this picture of life and community around a table with Jesus at the heart of us. Do this in remembrance of me is what Jesus is saying. And I think that's really important because what that means is that when Jesus says, do this and remember to me, he's not talking about just a little wafer and a cup of juice or wine. He's talking about something much bigger and much more profound than that. And sometimes we can make communion coming to this table about just a little piece of bread and a little sip of wine or juice. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. He's talking about all of this and it encompasses everything and he says, that's why he says, in remembrance of me. So that last part of the phrase, in remembrance of me, is not just a call to remember uh, in terms of memory. It's actually an invitation to, to step into this space where time and space are all kind of mixed up and mashed up. And this is what I mean by that. In a very real way, when we come to this table and we participate in this meal, the past, the present, and the future all come together in a moment. So you think about what happens at this table. And at this table, the past, what Jesus has done through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, all in the past, it all comes rushing into that moment. And it enters a moment where we are gathered together as the people of God, and we encounter the living God who is there and present with us, and it pulls the future into the present. Because what we're told is Jesus will return, and the picture we get of Jesus' return in Revelation is called the, the wedding feast of the lamb. It's a picture of this banquet, of this meal. And so we, we look forward to Jesus' return when we will gather with him around the table for this meal. And so all this kind of gets mashed up when we come to this table together. I love what N.T. Wright says. Um, he says, the hardest thing about the sacraments is they invite us to look at time in a different way. The term memorial does not mean merely bringing something to mind or remembering. It refers in some way to bringing the past story and the divine action of the past into the present such that the present participants become part of the story and receive the benefit of that actualization. And I like that word actualization, actualizing. What it means is we take this meal and it becomes real to us in this moment that Jesus is with us. Jesus is actually present, and that reality shapes our life. 
that reality shapes our life as we gather around the table for this meal. So I want to talk about the meal itself. What is the significance of this meal based on the scriptures and based on kind of church practice? And so I'm going to run through this pretty quickly, um, but I think you'll get the gist of it. What I want to do is I want to look at um, the six kind of most common names for uh, this meal that's shared by the church. Uh, And the first one is communion. Communion is the most common name for this meal. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, which literally translated means fellowship or participation. Um, You see this in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17, where Paul says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a koinonia? Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ, he says? The bread that we break, is it not a koinonia, a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And so as Anglicans, we, we most often refer to this, or one of the common ways we refer to this, is Holy Communion. When we come together, we gather for Holy Communion. And we're, we're getting at this idea of koinonia, that we come together at the table and we have community with each other around Jesus at the table. Jesus is really with us, is what we believe. He's actually here with us when we partake in this meal in a unique and powerful way. And then he, he reminds us that he is always with us, even when we leave this place. When we go through the, the ins and outs of our day, Jesus is present. And the other thing it does is it invites us to take that presence and press it into our other relationships. That we do this together. It's not just me and Jesus at the table, it's all of us. And so we are actually brought into presence together as a community. So that's why, for example, our life groups, why we, we, we want to be gathering for meals. Because we believe something really powerful and beautiful and spiritual happens when we gather for meals. There's a level of connection and intimacy and relationship around the table. So communion's the first name. Second name is breaking of bread. Uh, In the scriptures, this appears uh, a lot in Luke and Acts, the breaking of bread. Paul also refers to it in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Um, And it's this really powerful image. You know, we we have uh, an image of communion that's connected with those little tiny wafers, right, that we come and receive. But the breaking of bread taps into this ancient um, uh, practice in, in the world where you would gather around the table and you would actually have a loaf of bread, And you would pass the loaf of bread and you would rip off a piece of, you would break the bread and take a piece and then you would pass that to the next person. And so the imagery here is really powerful, but it's kind of lost on us because we have these cute little wafers that we use for communion. And so what that does is it, it points us to what Jesus actually did with his body, right? That Jesus' body was broken on the cross for our sake. And so when we talk about the breaking of bread, we're talking about receiving life through Jesus' sacrifice. In fact, every time we eat, think about this. Every time you eat, you are eating um, at the cost of something else, right? There's a sacrifice involved every time you eat something. A plant or an animal has to die so that you can live. In other words, it's built into the DNA of creation, that our life depends on sacrifice of the other. 
And so that ultimately points us again and again to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And so you get this beautiful image of the bread being broken. The third is called the Eucharist. Um, Most people, uh, or this was the most common uh, name for this meal in the early church. And it's still the most common in the world today. The Eucharist, it comes from the Greek word for thanksgiving, and it just it, it points to that reality. When we come to this table, we come with gratitude because of what God has done for us in Jesus over and over again. Gratitude is connected with this meal. We all remember as we come and share in this meal what we've received in Jesus and what he's done for us and what God's given to us, and so we respond with gratitude. Fourth is, um, Bonnie mentioned it a few minutes ago, the the agape feast, the agape feast, um, the love feast, right, is what, the, and don't picture, again, this is not 1960s hate ashbury you know, Woodstock craziness. This is actually something really profound and beautiful that took place in the early church. Now, there's only one reference to it in the scripture, and it's in Jude 12. And the reference there points us to this idea that when people gathered for a meal, gathered to be the church. It wasn't like they did the church stuff and then they had a meal. No, gathering as a church was the meal. That was central and critical to what they were doing. It also highlights the fact that it was a celebration. It was a celebration marked by joy. You know, all cultures use meals in connection with celebration, right? We know that. I mean, think about things like birthday parties and anniversaries and reunions, these huge important things that happen in our life how connected they are to meals. And so part of being human is to celebrate, and food is connected to that. And I, I just want to stress that because I think it's so important, and I used to be this way. I used to come to communion and think I had to have, like, this somber attitude, like it was really serious, and before I could come, I had to beat myself up a lot, Right? I had to come and I had to think, I've done all these terrible things and I have to kind of work myself into this place where, okay, now I know that God forgives me, right? Um, but I'm not totally sure. So as I come, I'm like, God, I'm so bad. I'm so wrong. There's something so wrong with me. And some of us have grown up in traditions that have taught us that, that this table is actually a table for some of us that brings up lots of guilt and shame. And that's not what this table is intended for. This table is a table of celebration. And there's a place of repentance, right, in our service. You think about our service, there's there's a moment that comes before the table. We confess our need for Jesus, but we receive forgiveness so that when we can come to this table, we come in joy. We come in joy to this table. I love um, what what Philip Yancey wrote uh, about this. Listen to this, this description of what it might be like if we really grabbed onto this idea that this is, this is a move of joy and gratitude and celebration. He says this. He says, this table, this table is different. It isn't where sinners find Christ, but where sons and daughters celebrate being found. Maybe someday instead of solemnly making our ways to the table, we should dance for joy and laugh like people who no longer fear death. Maybe we should ask if anyone wants seconds. We should hold up our tiny cups as if to toast Lost sinners found, dead brothers and sisters made alive. That is what this table is. It's a celebration of that reality. And so we come with joy, right? So if this is Sunday, you're going to dance down the aisle. This is it, right? So dance to communion. 
But that's the image of celebration. Fifth, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 says this, Therefore, when you come together in one place, it, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, Paul said. It's this name that was given to it in the early church. And it really picks up on this idea in Luke 22 of the Passover meal that was celebrated, uh, which is a, a, a version of what's called a covenant meal. In the ancient world, um, when you made a commitment with someone else, a, a serious commitment, a covenant with them, what you would do is you would make a sacrifice and then you would share a meal together. And so this meal, uh, this covenant meal, the Lord's Supper, it's about more than just eating and drinking together. Um, it's actually a meal that's centered around Jesus and making a commitment to him and about his promises to us. So it's a covenant meal in that way. And so when we approach this meal, what it means is we come and we place our full trust in Jesus. It means that we leave behind, we set apart the way of life apart from him. We say, no, Lord, we don't want to walk in that way. We want to walk in your way of life. And we take up your cross and we want to live in obedience and faith. Would you give us your spirit and your strength to do that? Would you feed us at your table? And so there's a gravity and a seriousness to the Lord's Supper because we honor Jesus, who is our Savior and our Lord. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says these words. I mean, this is hard to get your head around, but listen to what he says. He says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, that is, who takes this lightly or is kind of cavalier or casual with this, whoever does that, they eat and they drink judgment on themselves, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. I mean, Paul literally is saying not taking this seriously has serious, not just spiritual, but physical consequences on us. And so there's a gravity to this as we come to the table. But it is the Lord's table. It's this relational, covenantal move that we make to recommit our lives and live in line with his way. And then the final one is the mass. So this, this word, actually, this is a development that comes after Scripture. So this is not a picture that we get of this meal in the Scriptures. It comes later in the church, and it comes from the word missa, which is taken from the Latin mass, uh, which ends with a call to go out into the world. There's this call at the end of it that basically is uh, to go. You are sent out into the world, having been together around this table. And we have this in, in our Anglican uh, liturgy, the way that we worship. If you think about our service, how it ends. It ends with the words, send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your glory. Send us out. And then uh, we say, let us go forth in the power of the spirit to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. You've got this, this sending movement. But part of what comes with the mass is that the meal becomes a sacrament. Um, and that word may be new to you, it's, it's a word that we use um, in our tradition, and basically what it means is that it connects that there's a physical uh, reality that's connected with the spiritual reality, that there's a physical, visible sign of an invisible spiritual reality. That's what a sacrament is. And in the Anglican practice, there are two sacraments. There's baptism, and then there's communion, the Lord's Supper. And as a sacrament, what that means is this meal um, then 
takes on greater significance in a symbolic way. So because we don't actually gather around a table, we're not going to come up here and have a meal, as it were. Um, there was a move in the church away from that practice and towards this more symbolic practice where we take things like the little piece of bread and a little bit of wine to participate in this meal. Now, there's a lot of reasons that happened and developed over the history of the church. Some of them, I think, are good reasons. Some of them, I think, are not good reasons and unhelpful. We don't have time to unpack all of that, um, but if you have questions about that, maybe we can talk about that uh, some other time. But I, I want us to focus on the fact that what's happened here um, what's going on here is that it really centers, even the symbol, symbolic gesture centers on a meal. Five out of the six ways this was talked about, this table was talked about, it was an actual meal. An actual meal. And so I think this gives us a lot to think about and maybe some new things to think about when we come to this table. And so just, I want to give you, just to sum up what we've talked about, just think about these things as you come and receive communion today. Think about the fact that this is communion. It's about koinonia. It's about something we do with one another and with Jesus. This is where we break bread. We remember Jesus' sacrifice and our dependence on Christ and each other. This is the Eucharist. This is where we are reminded of all that God has done for us and we give thanks. This is the Lord's Supper. It's a covenant meal where we come to the Lord and we remember his promises to us and we make our commitment, renew our commitment to him. And then finally, it's a sacrament. It's this physical sign of what is true so that we are reminded and strengthened in our faith and sent out from this meal to bear witness to who Jesus is in the world. So I just want to invite us to, to consider those things. And maybe some of that's new for you, or maybe there's one of those things that really stands out more to you and where you are in your journey with the Lord today. But I just want us to pray into that. So if you want to bow your head, we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to lead us as we come to this table together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the great gift of this meal. Lord, a meal that means so much to your church family through history. And Lord, we want to encounter you. And we don't fully understand it, but Lord, we know that somehow the table and this meal, the Lord's Supper, Lord, you've given this to, as a gift that invites us into your presence in a profound and supernatural way. We encounter you together. And so, Lord, would you, in the places where we need to see um, you in this table, Lord, would you open our eyes to that? Would you soften our hearts to that? Lord, would you bring us to a place where this is not something we, we come to taking it lightly or casually? But, Lord, this is a gift, and it is something we celebrate and something we commit ourselves to because of who you are and what you've done for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.